St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. It's the Loose Fork Talk Podcast. What is up, guys? Episode 30 of the Lou Sports Talk is here, sponsored by Arch City Media. Yeah, we'll get into it here in a minute. I am Ethan Hannaford, your host, and I am joined by Brandon Big Poppy Gallegos, TJ Williamson, and Dylan Freebird Hample. Gentlemen, it's good to see you all. It's good to see you too, Ethan. You're looking fresh tonight. Yeah. You're so sweet. Hair's flowing. yeah, Yeah, it must be the holiday season. He's got a little pep in his step, doesn't he? Mm. Peppermint in his step. No, I, I see what you did there, TJ. It's too far. I know. How are you I doing, know. Ethan? I'm doing well. You know why? We have a sponsor now. We do. We, let's go. <laughs> Arch City Media is our new sponsor, and we're so excited to be partnered with them. Later in this episode, we are going to be sending in our Christmas wish lists to the St. Louis sports teams, the Cardinals, the Blues, St. Louis City, whether it be sending it to the front offices, whether it be sending it to players, coaches. We're not really sure. We're going to find out here in just a few minutes. But, guys, this is about to be a banger episode. It really is. Ask me why. Why? Why is it going to be a banger episode, Ethan? I don't like that it took so long for you guys to like I connect that I Dylan. was literally asking you to say why. Derek I Gould, wasn't listening. Derek Gould from the St. Huh? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes to talk about, obviously, Cardinals baseball. I just said he's the Cardinals lead writer. So Cardinals baseball, but specifically, you know, some of these moves that have happened recently and what we could potentially be seeing here to conclude this offseason. Things Ooh. are things are starting to get moving a little bit. And you know what? I think we have to ask him about Shohei Otani because this has been the biggest thing in sports the last few days. Am I wrong? No, it, you're right. Ten years, $700 million to the Los Angeles Dodgers. How insane. They just skipped you. 500? No. 600? No. We're jumping to 700. The numbers literally don't add up when you look at it year to year. This is true. Literally doesn't Because for the first 10 years of this, Brandon, he's going to be making $2 million a year. And then from 2034 to 2043, he'll be making $68 million a year. That's quite a retirement. That, as a 30-year-old. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. I've never insane. seen a contract like it. He is the 17th now highest paid player on the Dodgers roster next year. <laughs> 17th on the Dodgers. Uh, Ethan, thank you for asking for my opinion. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Dude, your, this is your time. The mic is yours. If you call yourself a true Major League Baseball fan, here we go. If you say, I root for one of the 30 Major League Baseball teams, to be honest, if you own a baseball glove. <laughs> You should be flipping cars, burning light posts, and burning every jersey that you have. That's a little dramatic. But here's what I'm trying (laughs) to say. Why are more baseball fans not upset about this contract? I mean, we've seen this in the NHL to where Ilya Kolvachuk got a 37-year deal. I'm being exaggerated. He got 17 years. And owners got involved and said, hey, not going to happen again. We've seen it in the NFL to an extent. 
The NBA, that's its own league. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but Major League Baseball is allowing this contract to happen. He's going to get paid, what is it, $68 million in 2043? That will be the final year of him getting his That's a joke, Ethan. That is a joke. And I think Major League, this is bad for baseball. I think, here's the thing, I think it's really cool that he got $700 million. I don't like the way he's getting the money. Understandable. I'm done. TED Talk concluded. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That's what they say. <laughs> the car flipping is not understandable. Bro. That was a little yeah. intense. Yeah. No, you're I didn't from know you, Philly. This Sorry. is a bad first impression to Arch City Media, okay? This I'm normally horrible. not this grumpy. All right? Salary but but I'm listening to there. so many so many reporters talk about this, and, and it's really not – it's it's as if nothing ha- ever happened. It's as if this is just a normal contract. Well, I think at this point the big thing is there's not really much that can be done about it. Right now, what can Major League Baseball do right now? There's nothing that says that the Dodgers can't do you're this. Right. You're right. I think that what we're going to see is the next CBA, yep. which I'm not sure what year that is. That's Long the one that's way. going to be affected potentially by this because this is game changer. You know, we see we see differences in yeah, in baseball. Yes, we see those happen. You know, even the Cardinals have them. Adam Wainwright's going to get paid a million dollars a year for the next uh, close to ten years, I want to say. Yeah. But it's a million dollars. Yeah, it's this is very different than any other deferred contract we've seen. Yes. And I am not against deferred contracts. I am against the amount that they deferred. That is my issue. You're right. the The new CBA, the the current CBA, does not end until 2026. So right now, there's nothing we can do about it. My my, you know, TED talk that I was just on is why are we not seeing more people upset about this and moving on? Because I'll tell you this right now, I would be shocked if Yamamoto is not a Dodger because of this deferred contract. I would agree with you. I would completely agree with you. And you know what would be the worst part about that? TJ's prediction would be wrong. Uh, <laughs> dang it! <laughs> I was, I was undefeated. I had all my predictions right before. You did. You did. I'll give it to you. You can go back and check the tapes. We're all right. I think it's time for Derek Gould, boys. Let's do it. All right. When we come back, Derek Gould will be joining us right here on the Lou Sports Talk podcast sponsored by Arch City Media. We now have the absolute pleasure to be joined by Derek Gould, the lead St. Louis Cardinals writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Mr. Gould, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Well, how are you guys? Doing good. Thanks so much again for joining us. We really appreciate it. We're going to obviously be talking mostly Cardinals baseball tonight, but we have to start off with what's been not only the biggest news in baseball, but really the biggest news in sports here these last couple of days. Shohei Otani is a Dodger, and he is going to be $700 million richer, but not for like another 20 years or something like that. First off, Derek, can you go ahead and explain to listeners a little bit about the structure of this contract? Because it can be a little bit confusing. Oh, well, wish me luck. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, you know, based on reports from folks out there in L.A. who cover the Dodgers, um, you know, I haven't seen the the entire breakdown yet kind of leave that to the the beat writers who are out there um but what it is is it's two million dollar salary for the 10 years each of the 10 years and then the remainder of that annual average value which is 68 million deferred to be paid you know in the years after the contract expires um but there's no interest on it there's there's 
just the money is deferred. Now that means a lot of different things. Um, first and foremost, it gives a lot of flexibility to the Dodgers, especially when you're talking about that kind of money. Um, when you're talking about having like a, a $17 million contract or a $10 million contract and having a portion of it deferred, you're not talking about all that much money. But when you're talking about $68 million deferred, it's a lot. And it also means that it's a smaller hit on the competitive balance tax. And that's a big part for the Dodgers. So it's not just that Shohei Otani has given them immediate flexibility with what they can do with spending this year or spending on their, their payroll in, in, in general um, year to year, but also they take less of a hit um, because the present day value of the contract, while he's going to get paid $700 million eventually, the present day value of the contract because of inflation is not that. And the CBT hit, as they call it, the collective bargaining tax hit, is going to be slightly less than $50 million, um, per year. Hey, Derek, thanks for being on. Brandon here. Most teams start to the offseason has been pretty slow. The Cardinals, though, they've been pretty aggressive. They've already acquired three starting pitchers in Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and Sonny Gray. If these end up being the only starters out of this offseason, how do you feel about this rotation going into next season? I mean, it's good enough to contend in the division. It's good enough to win a division. Um, if that division is the NL Central or some of the other divisions that maybe the Dodgers aren't in um, or the American League East, um, you know, it's it's they have they have addressed their biggest failing of last year, which is innings. Um, innings just caught up to them. Innings limited them. Innings were a constant source of frustration for them. They spent most of the year chasing innings until they finally decided they were sellers well they've gotten ahead of that this year they've added guys who have a you know a consistency and known quantity of track record of providing innings and if they have health um you know they'll do that again and what that does for a rotation is immeasurable well no i shouldn't say immeasurable because it can be measured <laughs> um it's huge for a rotation it allows them to compete from series to series. It means that there's um, there's a starter coming so that you can be aggressive with the bullpen one day and know you're going to get innings the next. Um, it takes less of a load off the bullpen because it's not having to stretch and strain to shoulder um, the leftover innings, as we call it, and, and constantly go for long relief outings. So there's, there's a lot to like about adding innings in the way that the Cardinals have done. Um, but again, that's within their division. Within the National League, you know, are they a rotation that is going to like, you know, overpower a team in a seven-game series? It might outdepth the team, but it's not going to overpower a team in a three-game series. It still has that kind of, you know, Sonny Gray can pitch like a frontline guy. Who's the next pitcher to do that? Who's going to be the one that that adds that element to them? Or do they find themselves shopping during the season? Or is there yet to be a trade? later in this off season when some of the other pieces fall into place that they could look to, um, you know, they're aware of it. They're aware that they could upgrade the front of their rotation. It's how they do it when they do it. And then of course the big one, if they do it. Yeah, Derek. And just last week you were in Nashville for the MLB winter meetings, which to some people's surprise was actually slow moving. The common thought seems to be that the market will start to pick up once Yamamoto signs with the team. Would you agree with this? Well, we're already seeing it pick up, um, since Otani signed. So there's already been some movement. So I think, sure. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it depends on, um, 
you know, Yamamoto being the next one, it, it kind of all works in phases, right? And we haven't really even gotten to the Scott Boris clients yet. So that's a big part of it too. Um, you know, he likes to play a, a little slower pace for his free agents. And we're getting to the point where his will be the most prominent uh, in Snell and Bellinger. So, you know, I think, I think you've seen it pick up pace with Otani um, you know, there's been some relief signing. Um, there's been a few, there's a starter signing, you know, by the Royals. They, they also have signed a couple of relievers the Royals have. So you're starting to see the pace pick up in certain areas. Um, some of the teams that, uh, some of the teams that, that uh, other teams who have starters and want to trade them, the teams they want involved in those conversations are still going after Yamamoto, may still go after Snell. So you're going to see a little slower pace for that um, because the starters need to start moving for those trade talks to really take flight um, just because of the strategy of the teams with starters to offer. Of course, they're going to, going to want to shrink um, the number of teams interested so that there's really a focal point on, on the price that they can exact for their pitchers. Um, so I, I think I think it's a little less like one domino makes everything go but i think we're starting to see the tidal pool start to shift in a way that that there'll be a lot more action so the cardinals also just recently moved tyler o'neill to the red sox in exchange for relievers Mm -hmm. nick robertson and victor santos so we know santos is already going to be heading to the minors but robertson's been added to the 40-man roster can you tell us a little bit about what you like about robertson and what maybe a realistic expectation is for cardinals fans to have about him yeah, I've just been looking at what his stuff is. I'm not sure whether there's a, a like or dislike really there. It's um, pitching depth um, has you know appealing stuff. The Cardinals um, got Fernandez as well from on the Rule Five draft from the Red Sox, yeah. uh, and he's an interesting guy in the sense that um, you know he has the slider, he has the horsepower, he has a lot of the makeup of a of a late inning reliever, definite upside, um, but hasn't had the health. Uh, you know, in the in the trade with the what they've acquired as somebody who, who made a switch um this past year, seems to have worked with kind of pitch selection um and made some improvements to then get more effectiveness from his pitches. That's good. That's a good timing. Um, you know, I he, he's a guy that you know, I'm not quite sure everything he does is gonna be based on what he pitches himself into. He's not going to be earmarked for a role. Um, it's going to be what does he do in spring? What does he do during the season? Um, that you know that can help the Cardinals because you're going to cycle through relievers. The the bullpen that they open the season with is not going to be the bullpen they finish with, but they do want to add two more guys, um, one of whom would be part of that late inning, uh, you know, late inning equation that they'll use. Um, and I'm not sure, like you know, we'll see where. The, the couple guys from the Red Sox, not the young starter who's coming back from injury, but the two relievers from the Red Sox, we'll see what they factor in. Um, but they'll they'll make that clear with their performance. Um, you know, I really like the really like the stuff of Fernandez from the Rule Five, um, but we'll see. You know, again about health and stuff, and I think I think that's something that we'll watch play out. But they're they're definitely throwing quantity at the at the rules, and they still want to sign quality. Yeah, you talked about how the markets begin to it's begin to move. We've we've seen some high end names go off, but there's still a lot of p- pitchers available on the market. You know, names like Dylan Cease, guys like Tyler Glass now. But we're starting to see that I asking price just continue to increase. It's very high now. Do you see the Cardinals being willing to give up enough pieces to bring in a guy of that quality this offseason? 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, we we kind of we don't yet know really where. I understand what you're saying, like with the price going up. We don't sure. quite really know who the suitors are, yeah. right? Like yeah. the Dodgers could be, or they could sign Yamamoto, and you know, or they could you know, and, and not be, or they could sign Snell. Um, the Mariners could obviously jump into the mix if they do sign. So there's a there's really not a whole lot of clarity on who the final suitors are, and it makes a lot of sense for the White Sox or the Tampa Bay Rays or, to a lesser extent, the Seattle Mariners to know who those suitors are when uh, when when trying to maximize the return that they're going to get. I, I mean, either way, you I mean, you know that the Cardinals' left-handed bat is going to have to be involved in it they don't have any interest in trading new bar um you know they're not going to really talk much with jordan walker obviously so is that gorman is that brendan donovan is that where teams start asking um because that's where the cardinals have depth and that's where teams have interest right they want that thunder and that thunder potential and it's so valuable from the left side high price to pay but you know i think you can make the case that while every team needs left-handed power you probably can make the case that the Cardinals, boy, I mean, that's a great good topic for conversation. Which do they need more? Do they need kind of the, the tip of the rotation and that number one guy, or do they need that left-handed power? I, I think you could, I think you could debate that for a long time yeah. and you'd have to come down on the side of what is more rare and, for the Cardinals at the moment, it, it'd be hard not to side with that starting pitcher. That's going to be something definitely keep an eye on as the offseason goes on. And quickly, before we let you go here, Derek, you recently wrote that the Cardinals are going to be approaching Paul Goldschmidt sometime this offseason to talk an extension beyond the 2024 season. It seems like this is something that both sides are in favor of. As well as that, can you just share a little bit about what you know so far about these talks and you know, maybe even when we could be seeing a contract finalized or perhaps how long, any information you may have? Yeah, that's actually something that Moselak volunteered. Boy, I'm not really sure if it was at the end of the season or maybe a month or so later. Um, he brought it up as something that he wanted to do. Uh, you know, Goldschmidt does not talk a whole lot about his contract. Well, if at all, he just doesn't. Um, um, but he has talked, you know, you know, about how much he's enjoyed being a Cardinal and, you know, as the home his family's made in St. Louis and how much – a fit he has found in the clubhouse. And, um, you know, he's obviously close friends with Nolan Arenado, and that's a big part of it. Um, both big part of the being a Cardinal for both of them, to be honest, they, they both want to win. That's the added part. That's the biggest part. Um, but they do enjoy playing together. Uh, you know, that those things tend to unfold in spring training. That tends to be the, the timeline that the Cardinals have used um, year after year after year after year, whether it's Adam Wainwright or it's Alan Craig or this past year it's Miles Michaelis or in previous years it's Paul DeYoung or just any number of extensions that they've done. We joke about it being an annual thing there. So, you know, the timing would, you know, would fit for that then. Um, you know, it, they also might have some feel for their – uh, financial situation, the the kind of dark cloud that's over all of this. And while ownership has really put an emphasis and a priority on maintaining guys like Goldschmidt, guys who have come here, starred here, won MVPs here, uh, not yet won a championship here, but uh, you know the Cardinals ownership likes to keep guys like that around and keep them from leaving. Um, but the the cloud over all this is 
what kind of money, what kind of revenue are they going to be counting on for their from their television partner? What what are the broadcast fees going to be as that um, as that drama worsens, um, gets turbulent? Um, but ultimately, you know, they could see, and maybe this goes back to the first question you asked me about is the deferred money clearly the the dodgers are banking that you know there's going to be a new model there's going to be uh, an, another revenue source even a even a gushing re- revenue source um for the broadcast rights in some way it's not going to be in the current model it's not going to be in the rsns and it's not going to be in the cable model but if they can tap into streaming then they can feel better about their revenue and when the Cardinals start thinking about extending, um, you know, Goldschmidt into the coming years, they'll have to have a feel for for what they're willing to do and where they think their payroll will be as this kind of gets rocky for a little bit. Well, plenty has happened so far this offseason, and there is set to be plenty more that will be happening. And we know that you, Mr. Gould, are going to be covering it all on Twitter as well as on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Follow him on Twitter, at D Gould. Derek, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Have a, have a great evening. Have you a good as well. holiday season. Thank you. That was Derek Gould, the lead writer for the St. Louis Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And like I said earlier, be sure to follow him on Twitter at dgould, D-G-O-O-L-D. Man, that was good stuff, guys. Love listening to Derek. Lucky to have him on the podcast. Yeah, Yeah. you know, he's just a wise man. When you ask him a question, he answers it the right way. Hmm. You know? There's wisdom in that answer. But in all seriousness, I, I, I was really intrigued when he started talking about uh, when I asked him the question about Dylan Cease and just the higher-end arms that are still on the market uh, via trade, uh, because his honest answer was, yeah, we don't really know what their market is anymore. Uh, and I would say at the beginning of the winter, we actually had more clarity of where they're going than now sure, because of the moves that have happened. thought that was interesting. I, I would say as well as that, I loved hearing the – it seemed like he was almost having this internal like debate in his yeah. mind for a little bit there as to what is more important – that left-handed middle infield power bat or a, or a top two starting pitcher, which I thought was really interesting. TJ, I want to hear some takeaways from you. Yeah, I mean, overall, going back to earlier this past season, Brandon and I were commissioning that it might be wise for a shakeup for the Cardinals to trade Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> and since that point, I just accepted the fact Goldschmidt is going to be a Cardinal for life. Sure. Car- he's, he's staying. So with that being said, it's very encouraging to hear that there are contract negotiation talks about extensions and keeping him here on the team. Tell me I was right. No, right. we're not going to do that, Ethan. <laughs> Conservative okay? You're already the take. host. Conservative Cardinals fan. Yeah, good grief. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. And I think the thing that makes it easy is that both sides have made it clear that they want to make this happen. And I don't see this being a huge thing. Goldie has made it clear he doesn't want to play into his 40s. I see this, I see this being a two- to three-year deal and I don't see it costing a boatload of money. I, I mean, you know, he's still Paul Goldschmidt. He still won the MVP last season, or I guess 2022 season now. It's not like he's going to, you know, make $5 million a year or something like that. But I don't see this being a Paul Goldschmidt as our 100% our starting first baseman until the day he retires. I think there's a lot of different things they could do with that. But overall, I think that there's a lot of positive that you can get from Paul Goldschmidt staying. I think it almost locks up that he'll be a Cardinal Hall of Famer someday as well. Those are the other things that you don't think about 
that I think are going to have serious value as far as him retiring a Cardinal. Yeah, part of me wonders if there's going to be eventual log jams for certain positions. We have a lot of power hitters on our roster. A lot of times those power hitters just end up sliding into first base. So having Goldschmidt there might just mean that Jordan Walker better get good at playing in the outfield. No, that's definitely something to keep in mind is that could create some log jams there. And that's why I'm saying, you know, there's not necessarily, a, I think, a guarantee that, yep. you know, I mean, we don't know what the the what these last few years of his career will look like. You know, we don't know if there's going to be a hardcore drop off. We, we don't know what that will look like. So there's a lot of different things that could go into effect there. But very curious to see what that will look like as well. That was well. beautiful, Ethan. It was beautiful. Gosh, you're handsome. Yeah. Way to, to cut him off while he's still talking. Sorry, were you going to finish something? Say say the rest of your sentence. Too late now. Just Moment's so con- gone. I'm just so confused right now. <laughs> Keep talking, you beautiful thing. Keep talking. <sighs> All right, so. So, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, before I was so rudely interrupted by Brandon, despite it being, I think, a compliment, I'm not really sure. Yeah, take it how you want. Okay. Regardless, I think I pretty much summed up my point about Paul Goldschmidt and being excited that it looks like he's going to finish his career as a St. Louis Cardinal. So, you guys ready to wish upon a star for some Christmas gifts? Cue the Mariah Carey music. <laughs> yes. That was a good one. That's good. <laughs> when we come back, guys, we are going to share what we want from uh, the St. Louis sports teams. <clears throat> what we want for the 2024 season. Ho, ho, ho. That was pretty creepy sounding. Yeah, we're going to be sharing our wish list, guys, when we come back, so be sure to stay tuned in. You are listening to the Lou Sports Talk Podcast, sponsored by Arch City Media. This episode of the Lou Sports Talk is brought to you by Arch City Media. Do you need info on the latest news in St. Louis sports? Arch City Media is the spot. Cardinals, Blues, Battlehawks, Gateway Grizzlies, and so much more. Not only are they constantly on top of local sports, they're also a go-to spot for upcoming concerts. Find out who's coming to town, when and where, on their website. These are just a couple of their topics covered. Find them online at archcity.media and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at ArchCityMedia. Ah, the sweet, sweet sound of Mariah Carey. It's a classic. Can't go wrong. Never gets old. Those are all not true statements. <laughs> all right, guys, it's time. This is the second year now that we are sharing our Christmas wish lists Ooh. with, I don't know, who are we sharing it with? It's not really with Santa. Eight billion people. But it's, but it's yeah. also not really just with the front offices. It could be. could be with, you know, Doug Armstrong, John Mozeliak, with Lutz Fannensteel. I mean, it could be with players, coaches. It really could be It could be with any of them. But what we're going to do is we're going to share what we want to see from any of these St. Louis pro sports teams in this market, what we want to see in the 2024 season. So, without further ado, TJ, please start us off. What do you want for Christmas? Well, last season what I wanted for Christmas that I didn't say on air was a brand new St. Louis City soccer team. And we got that, and it was yeah. awesome. It TJ, was you knew you were getting. He's that. listening, but I wanted it. You had already opened it under the yeah. tree, and but tried I to wanted take it back it. up. You peaked. I want. Anyways, last season St. Louis City did amazing in their first year out of the expansion, and we had a stud in our midst. His name was Edward Leuven, 
and he was amazing. One of the studs. He yeah. was amazing last year. He dipped off a little bit last year. Part of that, I feel like he had to carry a lot of the team. And if you guys didn't see recently, we made a trade, a couple of our guys and some general allocation money for a young man named Chris Durkin, came from DC United. And we're very excited to have him. He'll be playing the opposite side of Leuven in the midfield. And so my thought is he's young. He's a stud too. Why can't he help take some of the pressure off Leuven? What I want is Chris Durkin to pick up some of the pace that Leuven can't carry the entire season. Come on now. I like it. We need more St. Louis City talk. Let's go. That's that's season four talk definitely for sure. (laughs) That's a preview, folks. We're definitely getting into that in season four, which will be 2024. So, no, I completely agree, and I think there's definitely – a couple of areas going into this off season, and and first off, starting off by this, what a season for St. Louis City SC. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I think yep. there's definitely a couple of areas you want to see growth in. I think one of those is towards the end of the season, like you said, TJ. Uh, Leuven was not the same player there in that last stretch, and I think that you could kind of match. I think I don't think it was just him, but no, he wasn't no. necessarily the same player that he was for a, a good portion of the year. Um, there in that final stretch and when St. Louis City started dipping off a little bit. So that's definitely, I think, going to be a huge help. I think adding as well to the back line is something that they're going to need to do as well. And like I said, we're going to continue talking about that. But I like that, TJ, starting off with the new guys, St. Louis City. Dylan! This Christmas, (laughs) in the year of our Lord, 2023, I would like to punt my Christmas present to next year. It's going to take a long time for this one to be open and unravel, but I'm looking 10 months into the future, baby. For Christmas this year, for next October, I would like Nolan Arenado to perform in the playoffs. Presuming we make it, you know that was a bit passive aggressive, but it, but I like it. I, I like it. Nolan Arenado more than most people in this world, and uh, I'm gonna that, pretend that, like that that came isn't out weird. that came out wrong. But you know what I'm saying. It's going in. But <laughs> the, in 12 career playoff at bats in a Cardinals uniform, Arenado is a whopping one for 12 with no home runs and no RBI. Wow. If you expand that across his entire career, including two, so he's had two appearances with. The Cardinals, obviously, 21 and 22. He also had some playoff runs, quote-unquote runs. Uh, They didn't go very far. But anyway, in 17 and 18, and his overall career with the Rockies and Cardinals in the playoffs, a 152 average, 143 on-base percentage, one home run, three RBIs, nine strikeouts. He has five hits and 33 at-bats. So basically really bad. Correct. Not good. I, I Again, Favorite, so, favorite player in the world. So you're specifically saying Arnado performs in the playoffs, right? I would like him to appear in the clutch. Okay. He disappeared against the Phillies last year. And you, you completely agree. And honestly, you can date back to the last couple of postseasons that the Cardinals have been in. The yeah. offense has just completely disappeared. Correct. So not far off. And yeah, he's not I, the only one. I, I love you. Like that. I love that you're asking about it. Cardinals got to get there first. Cardinals yep. got to get back there first. But if they're able to do that, I think they've added yeah. some pieces to where they're going to be able to compete in this division, especially with not seeing the Brewers doing very much so far. Not Well, nothing at all. Not seeing the Cubs doing very much so far. And the Brewers are taking steps back, it looks like. So going to be very interesting to see if the Cardinals are able to get there. you got to be able to hit in the postseason. Got to be able to hit in the postseason. So I like it, Dylan. Brandon? Yeah, I, you know, speaking of hits, I'm going to stick with that same language for a different sport, though. Here's what I want under my tree, wrapped in a real pretty bow uh, and and tied nicely. Did you copy the script from last year? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sure stick you said with the it. Exact There's no thing. need to expose me like that, Ethan. I'm going to stick to the same script, and you're going to hear about this next year. I like pretty bows. So here's here's what I want. 
I want more <laughs> physical play from the St. Louis Blues. Right now, we have two players on the top 100 list of hits in the league. Just to give you guys perspective, you normally see four to five players on that list per team. Okay, I know some of you math guys are trying to do the math and saying that doesn't add up. Don't. Here's what I'm saying. The Blues are not structured to play a full-scale, finesse, speed game. We're not structured to do that. We're structured to get the pucks in deep and go after them, play a physical game behind the opposing team's net, and we haven't been doing that even from guys that we normally expect that from, even fourth-line guys like Toropchenko. I mean, you have a guy with size like that. You need him to play that. That is his game. That is the role that you see in his game. And um, I, 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 here, I'll give you some stats to back this up, okay? Sammy Blay, Sammy Blay leads the team in hits. That's right, folks, Sammy Blay. He sits at eighth. You like it. 75 hits on the team. Eighth in the league? Eighth in okay, the league. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Appreciate that. 31st in the league is Braden Shin at 56. Next, 31 hits. Colton Pareko. Hey, give it up for Colton hey, Pareko. Yeah, he's look good. Hey. But here's the thing. You have to play a more physical game. I, I, I think what's happening is the casual fan is seeing that speed wins hockey games. And if you look back at the pedigree of the last five Stanley Cup champions, the number one there's two main factors you see about them. Number one, they play a very heavy game still. There can be both, but a heavy game. And they have demon that are absolute redwoods. Six three, six four, six five, six two. Very tall, big guys. They basically create a corn maze in their own zone for the opposing team to get through. And that's what you need from your D-men. So I'm asking for more physical play in the new year from the St. Louis Blues, and I believe we can get there with the roster that's structured. I asked for one thing for Christmas. I'm going to get greedy and ask for a second thing wow. for Christmas. I'm going to. St. Louis Cardinals, hint, hint. Pitching, hint, hint. Got everybody drawn in. I want to see a lower ERA from Mr. Zach Thompson. Whoa! This upcoming year. Zach Thompson. So here's the thing. You don't hear this guy often right now. <laughs> this I like is the it. second time I remember TJ specifically talking about Zach hey, Thompson. Hey, don't hate on him. Get him for Christmas. Yeah, don't hate on the man crush. Mo, Let him speak. Mo talked about him last year at the end of the season and said, we have a good guy. We have a guy that could be a quality starter in the clubhouse. Sure. We have a guy. In seven games, pitching five or more innings last year, he was 3-3 three and three with one game undecided. One game being it wasn't his decision. And with that being said, his ERA through the, that point was a 4.16. That's not amazing. That's not awful. And he's young. We can get away with that. Ideally, your pitchers are, Ethan, correct me if I'm wrong, ideally your pitchers are looking around a 3 ERA if that's like... In today's era of baseball, a three is very good. Anything sub four you're happy with, though, I think, for a guy like him especially. Sure. So 3.5 is what I'm aiming for, at least what I'd like to have him do in that regard. I think Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray, us having an older rotation, a guy like Zach Thompson might see more starts than we think he might. I actually really like that take, and I'll say this. If if Zach Thompson has a an ERA anywhere around 3.5, I'm going to be a very happy man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that I don't think he can do it, just he's he's your number six. Everything, as of right now, he is your number six. Yeah, and, and if he pitches your... like that, he'll be in your rotation. 
Maybe. I mean, he's your swing guy. Right now, I think it's pretty clear what the five are. Sure, but, but, the, but, but you've got to count on injuries, though. Exactly. And what TJ mentioned that is so important is that with a rotation like this, you've had Steven Matz, who's constantly had his issues and has seen plenty of time on the IR as a Cardinal. you got Lance Lynn, who's 36. Kyle Gibson's 36. These guys are getting up there in age. So to get through an entire 162 with those guys being your five throughout the, out the entire season, not super likely. So a guy like Zach Thompson is going to most likely get starts. So I love the point, TJ. Not to mention... There's been a consistent pattern of we develop hitters very well. I haven't seen a lot of young pitchers come up and stay starters through our league, through our team, in a little bit. So if you have a Zach Thompson coming up through the system for a while, how long is it where you're not seeing significant steps of progression to where you maybe make a change in development? I love it. I love it. Can I go? Can I go? No, Please, go ahead, go? Dylan. Yeah, Dylan, you got it. All right. <laughs> so... Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. No, I'm going. It's, it's I want to go. Ethan's all right, fine. Gone, you know, the host, your moment. The host station no, can it. be a real lonely place. <laughs> say it. So go ahead, That's Ethan. That's my thought. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to hop on with the Blues here since we've had a uh, couple here about the Cardinals. The Blues have had an interesting season. It's been very hot, cold, hot, cold. It's been very... Uh, tipsy turvy, it feels like. It looks very similar to last year. Yes, I would say. I would say so. More optimistic about la- this year than last year. Then. I, I would agree, but things are not looking great right now. As we record, three straight losses, and I'm not very optimistic about this team right now. The thing that I want from the St. Louis Blues in the 2024 season is I want them to win the games that they're supposed to win. This me may seem very generalized. But the Blues have had some really bad losses against some bad teams this season. Yeah. The record against teams that are about above 500 is 6-9 and 1. Not great. You'd like that to be a little bit better. You'd like to be able to, you know, play against some of those teams that are, you know, towards the top of the league, which they've shown the ability to do. They just sure. beat Vegas last week, which is the number 1 team in hockey right now. And then yeah. we lost to Vegas that same week. Yes. Uh, both competitive games. Yes. For sure. Following that, we saw an ugly loss against the fourth worst team in hockey in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep. And then we saw an ugly loss against the second worst team in hockey in the Chicago Blackhawks. So we have seen moments of really ugly hockey against teams that you absolutely cannot lose against. I said that there's six and nine and one against teams with records above 500. Record against below 500. It's you're, you guys. I think I'm gonna add, drop a terrible number. It's not awful. It's seven and four, but those four losses have come against bottom seven teams in hockey right now. One against San Jose, one against Columbus, one against Minnesota, and one against Chicago. I think that at this pace, if that's the seven out of eleven against teams that are that bad, if that's the pace you're gonna play at. The, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. You have to be able to put bad teams away. Yeah. And the Blues have shown a little bit of what seems like to me this lackadaisical. Oh, the, we got the Blackhawks. We got we got a team that's you know not at the top level of hockey. Yeah. We can coast through. The Blues are not good enough. 
No one really is because it's the NHL. Anyone can win any given night, sure. obviously. But especially the Blues are not talented enough to just beat those teams without giving, without every single guy on your roster giving everything he has every night. Yeah, I was listening uh, a few days ago. I was listening to Chris Kerber, radio personality, radio broadcaster for the Blues. He was talking about how goal differential, so how many how many goals for versus how many goals against that you've had, is a telling sign of a of a pretender or a contender. And the Blues currently sit negative twelve in their goal differential. Now they still are hovering around five hundred, which keeps us in the race, but. You're looking at other teams that with around 500 records, and they sit right around, you know, that zero mark or plus four or negative two. The Blues sit at negative 12. It it is going to be an interesting two or three weeks. You've already seen some changes happen with Robert Bartuzzo, with uh, Jakob Verana, and that just went down. That is that is now official that he is placed on waivers. So the next couple weeks are going to be telling. I agree with you, Ethan. Yeah, it's. Definitely going to be crunch time. Like it's going to start to get there. We're almost a third of the way through the season, and as we sit right now, we're only one point out of the second wild card spot, which is where we had which us is am- being ideally. Which is amazing, isn't that crazy? But I mean, Edmonton is remembering how to play hockey now, so we're going to have to <laughs> <laughs> contend with that. But yep. all right, I'm gonna rip this one open. So I, <laughs> I would like to see under my Christmas tree on December 25th when I wake up in the morning. I would like to see Logan Gilbert in a Cardinals jersey, <laughs> which I know is a very lofty goal. But I mean, what are you going to be willing to put under, under the Seattle Mariners Christmas yeah, tree? So like, funny you should ask. So I last episode I said I thought we would get Sonny Gray and Eduardo Rodriguez. I went one for two, and so Rodriguez obviously going to the Diamondbacks. Kind of glad we didn't fork over that kind of money for him anyway. Sure. Uh, but I mean, Gilbert. The thing that's good about him is that he has a lot of team control uh, for the future. He's under team control till 2029, I believe. He's only 26 years old. And the numbers I've been seeing thrown around preliminary of a contract he would get would be around seven years, $90 million. And here is the hot take part where I probably sound like an idiot, but I would be willing to part with Dylan Carlson, Tommy Edmond, Alec Burleson, and Takoa Roby. <laughs> My that's what I was, goodness, and it still said it was like half value that we were getting twice the value. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say. I, I was gonna do. say. I think the Mariners would be idiots yes. to give to to do that I deal. I mean, look at the Rockies though. Okay, we got Arenado for. Yeah, but the reason that we got Arenado for a for pocket change is because Arenado had a no trade clause right. and he was able to choose where he wanted to go. Right. And the Cardinals were offering the best deal for him. Right. That's the best offer they were getting. So it's a lofty goal for sure. Uh, in order Christmas. in order to get. Logan Gilbert from the Seattle Mariners. It's probably going to take Nolan Gorman. Yep. At to start or Brendan Donovan, possibly it's, both. It's going to cost a lot. The Mariners have already said that they're not willing to trade their young pitching, but they also desperately need middle infield and they need bats. So I'm not totally bought in that they're not going to be at least listening to offers, especially if they're in on Blake Snell. I, I it wouldn't be surprised me if that's he ends up going to Seattle. Then all of a sudden, you know, I think there could be some turnover for sure. But that is a high request. And yes. I think out of all the ones the mentioned dark. so far, that is the one that I is like the it. least likely to happen. No, if there's a guy that the Cardinals could go out and get, it would be Logan Gilbert. I love Logan Gilbert, but so does Seattle. So <laughs> that's going to be something to keep Santa in mind. Santa can pull it off. 
And you were close. 2028. Chris's uh, miracle. 2028 is when uh, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. I was okay. I, I didn't believe you, so I had to check because I was like, that is a really long time of control. Yep. Another reason why the Mariners are gonna it's gonna cost a lot to give him up. Sure. So. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and share your next one? Sure. Yeah, we've been bouncing around here. We're each giving our, our two Christmas wishes, and here's my second one, okay? My second one is this. I appreciate what the front office of the St. Louis Cardinals have done in bringing in starting pitchers. I think a couple of them need canes to get to the mound, but they'll be okay. <laughs> I do think, though, that I would feel more comfortable with this rotation if we went out and got a number one ace. And I know that everybody has been asking for this. And I and I also I also understand that we could fully be done. We could be looking to shore up our bullpen. The asking price could be too high. We talked to Derek Gould about this just earlier. To me, I still desire a number one ace who's in his late twenties, early thirties. You know him by Mr. Cease himself. He plays the for the Chicago White Sox, has a great mustache. Thank you, Dylan. And Here's the thing. I think you bring in a guy like that who has some years left in him. I mean, of, of his prime. I mean, he's right in the middle of his prime. He can also be your sure and steady number one. I think Sonny Gray is a fantastic number two pitcher. That's where I like him. I think earlier in his career, maybe you look at him, his more dominant days in Oakland. I think you like him as your ace. You know, he's a, you, at the time he was in his mid-20s on a good Oakland A's roster, but Man, looking at this now, I I don't know if I go into this next season thinking, are we a whole lot better? Are, did we make a massive step? Did we take a massive step with this rotation? And my answer to that would be no, unless you go out and get a number one. I understand the asking price would be hard, and I and I know I know what it means. I know it means Nolan Gorman. And what I would say is, to me, it's worth it. To go out and get a number one that you haven't had in coming up on a decade. That's been the debate. That's been the debate. Is it worth Nolan Gorman and then some? You know, so I'm not against it. I think that the longer, the farther we get into the offseason, I think the more hesitant I am to sure. believe that anyone is going to get anyone that's left on the market besides the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um <laughs> so 80 years deferred contract. I mean, yep. seriously, I mean, it's hard. To even imagine the Cardinals competing with some of these just because some of these teams are so freaking aggressive. With I mean, with I mean, but the, the Dodgers but the have Card been the Dodgers have been real have been linked to Dylan Cease. They've been linked to Yamamoto. They've been linked to sure. Josh Hader. They've been linked to all of the top guys. And it would not surprise me if they got all three of them. Yeah, no, and I agree. But I I think the Cardinals can compete solely because of what they're able to give in the young talent that they have on this roster and this in the system. And I think you can, yes, I do. I think you still have to compete with the bigger market teams, but it's not on the free agent market. It's not a bidding war. It's what can you give them? And I think the Cardinals have enough to give it to them. Not to mention Otani isn't driving up the market guys. There's nobody like Otani. Okay. Dylan Cease is not going back to the Chicago White Sox and saying, this is what the asking, or I guess his agent, not the White Sox. Is going back to his agent and saying, "This is what the asking price for me needs to be." Well, it doesn't matter what the it, this is. He's a he's under contract, so this has nothing to do with money. This is all about what are the what do the White Sox want back for him? Does that I, make sense? Yeah, and the White so Sox, Dylan Cease has no say in that. I would disagree that they're not completely disconnected because 
you have teams that are filling the rotation. No, that's true. You, th- you that's... have you have spots that are being filled in the rotation. So that I I can definitely get along with what TJ is saying. There is, I mean, the Dodgers. But I, that's the thing with a team like the Dodgers, they could still go out and get both of them. I, the, sure, this Otani contract changes everything. Well, and, and and what I would say is, you can still compete with the Dodgers because of the young talent that you have. That's yes, what I would say for to that. sure. No, it it's a it's definitely all good points. Before we wrap up, I'm going to give my last one here real quickly, and then uh, and then we'll all have shared our Christmas wish lists. Just one more tucked away in the corner, well, way in the back. Look at that little guy over there. Open it up. All right, guys. The smallest gifts are always the most expensive ones. Amen? Yeah. Says yeah. the two that just asked for Logan Gilbert and Dylan Cease. <laughs> well, all I want from the enough. Cardinals, all I want from the Cardinals is less blown saves from the back end of the bullpen. Easy. Everyone knows that the Redbirds had serious pitching issues last year. Many would argue that the bullpen issues partially came from the overwork from the rotation, or, you know, would partially come from the overwork that they had due to the rotation's struggles. I don't think it was solely that. <laughs> TJ over here with an I told you so. Um, I don't think it was solely that, but that definitely had part of, had to be a part of it. The bullpen had their own issues, though, guys. In 2023, the Cardinals had 28 blown saves. That was 10th worst in baseball. 41 blown leads. That was 7th worst in baseball. And 7 blown ninth inning leads. That was 4th worst in baseball. This has to be an area that is improved upon. Yeah. You have to be able to sure up wins. There's nothing more deflating to a team than working up to build a lead and then that falling apart at the end of games. And that happened way too many times for the Cardinals last year. You know, especially, you know, when you finally were able to get those solid performances from your starting pitchers. And you're going to have guys that are able to eat innings this year. You're going to have guys, I think, that are going to be able to put you in better spots to win this year than you did last year. The Cardinals have to be able to sure up some of those wins at the end of the year. And part of securing that, part of making sure those blown saves don't happen, is adding, I think, another high-leverage relief pitcher. I really want them to go out and get Jordan Hicks. Go out and bring back Jordan Hicks. He's the youngest, most highly viewed relief pitcher on the market right now. They almost made a deal happen before they traded him. They almost extended him. I think they made the right decision in trading him. You got pieces back. But now bring him back. You need another high-leverage reliever. Go out and get a high-leverage reliever. So it was more so the blown saves, but the thing that has to happen, I think, in order for that to happen, because I don't think you can rely on Ryan Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos solely. Helsley, I think, we don't see him throw back-to-back very often in order to stay healthy. So you have to be able to go out and get another guy you can rely on. So that's my final wish, boys. It was a lot. Oh, we were a lot of requests. I loved it. I loved it. You love chaos. I do. I really do. Specifically at Christmas, there's just wrapping paper everywhere, and you're just chucking and ducking. You're (laughs) grabbing every gift you can get. And let me ask you this: I love it. At the Gallegos family Christmas this year, you guys going to go around flipping cars and burning down lampposts and jerseys and jerseys? (laughs) Um. No, we have no cars left to flip. Got it. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Be sure to follow us on social media at Talk underscore Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're going to be having a Christmas giveaway here coming out shortly, so be on the lookout for that on those socials as well. Am I missing anything else, guys? Oh, yeah. It's the end of Season 3. We forgot about that part, too. Season 3 finale. 
Thanks so much for listening. We're excited for season four. Um, we will be having one more Natty One Nine come out here in the upcoming days, but this is the conclusion of season three. Thanks so much for listening to the Loose Sports Talk podcast, sponsored by Arch City Media. That's a wrap. Yeah.